Look at you with your hair all braided. <laughs> oh, it's just plaits. It looks pretty shit with my really fine hair because it just shrinks down. Like I don't get that Wendy's look. Oh, I you know? know. Okay, I don't know how women <laughs> do that because let me tell you, there's this lady that does yoga on Amazon Prime. Her name is Julia Marie and she's the most beautiful thing on the planet. It's ridiculous. I swear, I think she puts in extensions or some kind of texturizer because her braids are so thick. You could like choke a child with them. <laughs> I've never seen anything quite so luscious and beautiful. Mm. I don't even really do yoga. I just watch her braids, I think. It's ridiculous. So I don't know how she does it. <laughs> oh, the lady that owned this house before me, she kept waxing the floors over this Mexican, like, saltillo tile is what it's called. Oh, no. It the okay, it's horrible. It's in the background. You can see it. She would wax over dog hair that was on the floor. She wouldn't vacuum. Oh, Christ. Away. Oh, That's so gross. Yeah, as I've been renovating this house, I've been pulling up 30 years of wax and different oh. layers of wax. There's different dog hair. It's like going through like Jurassic World of like different levels <laughs> of, I mean, I found like a pill bug. Like I could have put it under the microscope. It was so flat between these layers of wax of 30 years. What layer are we down to? The Cretaceous? No, I think I'm like 1983 right now. We're down to the 80s? <laughs> I'm sure the ages are done by the name of the dogs. They had a black Labradoodle. Oh, God. And uh, before that, I think they had a golden retriever. <laughs> Lovely. I am seriously doing work on this house. <laughs> and the funny thing is, I got offered a job the other day. Are you going to take it? I don't know yet because we're going to talk next week because I don't want to go back to work. But I had to buy a new car the other day because mine broke down. Did you replace it with another Jetta? No, I would never know because that one I had kept breaking down. I had to look that up, you know. We don't have Jettas in Australia as far as I do. You don't have Jettas in Australia? Australia? No, I didn't know what a Jetta was, so I looked it up. It's a Volkswagen. I, I mean, it's just a small sedan. Right. But no, I got an electrical vehicle because the gas prices here are so high. <laughs> Ooh, what kind did you get? Oh, I don't want to say it's so pretentiously horrible, but I'll say it was a freaking Tesla. It was the base <laughs> model. It has like 9,000 miles on it, so I didn't have to pay the sticker shock. We had to drive far away to go get it because there's so few right now. Yeah, because everybody's buying them up. Yeah. Exactly. And I just put new tires on my Jetta when it basically conked out on me, which is horrible. But this is the wave of the future because the prices are coming down. That's the only way we were able to afford it. And the gas prices are going so high. We were hoping to run my other car into the ground, but when we had a buyer placement... You did run your other car into the ground. I mean... If the timing belt went, you ran it into the ground. Yeah. <laughs> See, I've never owned anything so fancy in my life. It's ridiculous. My first car was an old truck that used to smoke so bad. People would run up to me with fire extinguishers. Seriously. Like, because it had a head gasket that was blown. I think... I think people run up to you with fire extinguishers a lot, Gigi. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that because... You know, that's true. <laughs> I've had the fire department at my house more than oh. once. That's all I'm going to say. By the way, you looked so happy on those pictures of you at Universal Studios. I had a lot of fun with my niece and nephew. And um, it's funny because while they were visiting, get this, the power went out. And in my family, we used to read Edgar Allan Poe by candlelight. But the kids saw that I had a Ouija board. 
Oh, did they? And Mormons <laughs> believe that those are very evil. Oh, so satanic. And I always tell the kids when they come to visit, you can tell your parents anything that happens here. We don't keep secrets from your parents, okay? Yeah. Their mom is Mormon. Because <laughs> they wanted to play on the Ouija board. Their dad just died. Did they try and talk to him? But you have to understand, I gave them a lecture first because I'm an atheist. I'm like, okay, listen, this is how the Ouija board works. So I showed them how you put magnets on the bottom if you wanted to make it move. Right. <laughs> and then I said, now, if there really was an afterlife, don't you think your dad would come through? So let's do this. Let's see how it works. And of course, the younger boy child was like pushing it around immediately because it wouldn't move. And I'm like, of course it's not moving because that's how it works. Like it doesn't, it's a game. Do you really it, it think that Parker work. Brothers is it keeping a secret work. of the occult in their Ouija board and that they're forcing people to pay $12 for a game in order to talk to dead people? Well, what's hilarious about the Ouija board is like, oh, it's old satanic magic. No, it was a game invented in what, the 60s or 70s? So I had to go to my ex-sister-in-law just so that you know the kids wanted to play with the Ouija board and I let them but you know I gave them a lecture so that they don't think that this is like trying to teach them a cult no I'm trying to teach them critical thinking and she's okay with that like she's not so Mormon that she would freak out but see I've got a born-again Christian sister she would not like that she's not okay with it because she believes in bad spirits isn't that the crazy thing and that you can call through bad spirits that magical thinking is very difficult for me to get around telekinetics and magical things like potions and there's not a real basis in reality for that but there is a belief in bad spirits that will come and possess people i think you should teach children witchcraft doesn't exist and bad spirits don't exist either that's right you should teach them that it's not real yeah but it's so funny to me because this one sister the born-again christian wouldn't let her children read harry potter for the longest time the born-again christians think it's evil and yet they will also teach their children that you can summon devils through the ouija board it's crazy how christians do that they actually promote believing in satanic things by being afraid of them. I got stuck in an Uber the other day with like a right wing crazy oh guy. God. Yeah, because like uh, the VW kept breaking down. I was stuck in the Uber going back and forth. It was such an uncomfortable ride. After that, I was like, Brad, you got to drive me to the dealership. Like, I'm not doing another Uber. Like, I don't want to be in a car with some crazy, like, Brad, you know, come rescue me, Brad. Brad, yeah. Brad, I've fallen and I can't get up. Oh. Brad. <laughs> but speaking of the pink tax, this pisses me off so bad. The other day I was buying a toolbox because mm -hmm. I'm doing a lot of renovations and Brad doesn't like me touching his tools and I don't want him touching my tools. I love it when my wife touches my tools. You're just touching the wrong tool if he doesn't like you touching his tools. <laughs> and I bought a tool bag in pink and I bought all my tools in pink so he will not touch my tools. Those are mine. It makes it obvious. There's no confusion because if I misplace something, he goes crazy. But I paid $4 extra for a pink bag when the identical one that was black was three or four dollars less i could uh, not believe it it is uh -huh. so blatant it's stupid i mean if they had a green one i would have bought it in green yeah sure it's like having a toothbrush like you have a pink toothbrush i have a blue toothbrush like don't touch my toothbrush <laughs> but yeah now i'm paying extra just for that personalization oh isn't that just great so speaking of bitching <laughs> <laughs> Bednar uh, and the water bottle, the fear in Sister Bednar's eyes. Oh, I know. He just loves water for some reason. I saw him chug-a-lugging during the uh, press club. Oh, God. I tried to watch almost all of that press club. I wasn't in the church when he was a figurehead, so he's a new character to me. Yeah, right. I don't know when he came into his position. I think it was 2006 or 2007. So, yeah, I wasn't familiar with him, but he is very creepy. 
Yeah, he is. He reminds me in Poltergeist 2, in the 1980s, there's a preacher man who wears a black hat. Is he the one like this? Yeah, and he sings a song, God is in his holy temple. And it's just, he keeps repeating that one, like, part of it. And that's what this guy reminds me of. Uh, <laughs> just a really creepy, skeletal-like figure of a man yeah, whose right. wife is too afraid to speak. Mm-hmm. He's a cyborg or something. He did give me kind of the Mormon jock vibe. Do me a favor, you guys. Google Poltergeist 2 Old Man Singing. You'll get a picture of him. The image, that's what he reminds me of. No. <laughs> Here we go. He looks more like Rusty Nelson. I he? guess all preachers look like this to me now. Yeah. I don't oh, know. wow. That's creepy. That's a lot of teeth right there. <laughs> that's so Vednar, isn't it? Well, let's see if we can bang this out in. Bang it out. You want to yeah, bang yeah. it out? I know. All right. We'll bang it yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> so I've like got so much caffeine right now. Let's start with something. <laughs> It's this story about Bedna explaining something to some woman. and Is it the one where he's like, I am the scripture? I am scripture, yeah. Oh, I didn't click on that It's one. anecdotal, so we don't actually have a recording of it. There's of no course. proof. But apparently, when asked, where is that in scripture? He was like, I am scripture. In a few years' time, when Rusty dies and this guy becomes the president, which is almost likely... Is he next up or no, is No, I it- thought it was like the next oldest, isn't it? Is it always the next oldest? Yeah, I thought so. It's not age. What it is is seniority within the quorum of the 15. So it's totally arbitrary. There's no merit or anything. Because it avoids the conflict and problem of your turnover in power. Mm. You know, remember what the popes have to do. I mean, geez, they've got the conclave and the burning of the paper and the smoke and mm-hmm. the doves. Mm-hmm. And the- but it means you've got someone who's always old as fuck making all these Yes, that's, mm-hmm. that is how it worked out. I don't think Bednar's next. He's actually a pretty young guy. I think he's seventh in line from what I heard. Oh, my God. They're so old. <laughs> well, they are. So, I mean, when Nelson kicks it, it's... Hold on. I'm Googling this. I got to know. Who is next? in line. We're gonna see it soon, hey? Like, there's no way that Nelson can keep going forever. On the ex-Mormon Reddit, they call him Susan Bednar's husband. It's like, don't speak of the devil, just call him Susan Bednar's husband. Oh, it's like he who must not be named like Voldemort. (laughs) That's right. It's not that they don't want to invoke his name for fear of, you know. (laughs) It's he doesn't deserve the recognition. Exactly. He's not worth it. Yeah. Bednar definitely comes across as a guy who's like all about his personal priesthood power and his place and how he is the authority. It's flipping the script. Mm -hmm. Yes. Exactly. As a woman living in this world of patriarchy, you don't quite notice it, you know, until you're out of it and somebody tells you. Until I had some level of education to know what feminism even meant because I was raised on Rush Limbaugh where I was like anti-feminist. I thought all feminists were feminazis. And I'm a woman. They slip in the dogma of a woman's role and you don't even question it in a way. It's not the only thing they slip in, JJ. Oh, right. Oh, dear God. I mean, when you're swimming in it, you just don't realize how toxic it is. This guy, Bednar, he doesn't even question his authority. I know. He automatically. 
automatically assumes that privilege. And his wife is doing exactly everything she's been told to do to perfection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really sad to watch it. It looks like she's not there anymore. I don't know how she stays awake while he talks. She's making sure that she's making the appropriate facial expressions behind him. Mm-hmm. That's it, isn't it? She's all about facial expressions. Making the appropriate body language to appear supportive and cheerful and interested. And she doesn't look like she knows what he's talking about or agrees either. She just is like, hmm. Yeah, I'm just here. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely automatic. When you have to sit for three hours in church, you get used to sitting in your own mind. (laughs) That's not good. Ignoring everything that's happening and looking like you are paying attention in the proper way. Mm -hmm. You are a helpmeet and a support for your husband, and that's it. I think you can always tell in the church the men who really buy into their authority and the men that are just there to be there because this is what they do. Bednar seems like the type of guy that wields that authority. Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised that Bednar would express himself by saying he is scripture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am scripture. That is basically a Mormon teaching that anything that is spoken by the apostles of the Lord is scripture. Unless it becomes problematic in the future and then it's just them speaking as a man. But right now, that is scripture. In 2016, I think it was, he says that there are no homosexual members of the church. And then he goes on to explain that because if you just take that out of context, it makes it sound like he doesn't think there's anyone. Yeah, like watching through that when he then explains why. You're like, okay, sure, but also, fuck you, you're wrong. Yeah, but also, fuck you, yeah. (laughs) He's saying there are people that are same-sex attracted, but you're not defined by that. Mm-hmm. But he flipped it around. I think he even said, I'm going to change the question. He says, I'm going to stop you there. First of all, there are no homosexual members in the church. Yeah, because when you don't want to answer the question that's asked, you, you answer ask the, question the question that, that you want to answer. answer. Right. right, right, right. It's the Mormon's version of don't ask, don't tell. You can be gay. You can't be gay. You can be same-sex attracted. Okay, right, right, right. You have an affliction. like <laughs> Yes. And that is their physical affliction on this earth. And that doesn't define who they are. Well, you know what, though? I would actually say that's not exactly true. If I was born without legs, that would really define a lot of who I am. If every day I woke up and I had sprouted a new feather... <laughs> Until I was covered in them. And then I started to talk like a chicken. At what point am I no longer Gigi? And at what point am I actually a chicken? These are physical reactions. Like I cannot help that my body reacts in a way to another person's body. I can't help that when Kristen Ritter comes on screen, I'm just like... (gasps) Oh, you remembered her name. There you go. Oh, I looked her up during the week. She popped up in my Instagram feed. Oh, did she? In this amazing outfit. Wait, who is Kristen Ritter? Reminds me. She was Jessica Jones in the Jessica Jones series on Netflix. But you're talking about Don't Mess With the Be in Apartment. Yes, that's the one she was in. I love that show. Okay, Okay, yes. Oh, I love her. She was in Breaking Bad, wasn't she? No, I actually never saw that show. She was the girlfriend addicted to heroin that died. Oh, she is the best. I never watched Breaking Bad. I tried to get through the first episode and I was bored. I mean, it gets better than worse than better. But anyways, 
Anyways, why are we talking about Kristen Ritter all of a sudden? Well, it's just an action. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't help it. Uh, You cannot help it. It, it, It's true, though. So for the way Bednar describes it, he's disappearing an entire culture of people that were born in a certain way who have a certain type of story in America and throughout the world. I don't know. I find that almost dehumanizing to the people that are, you know, suffering from this same sex attraction. Well, that's the whole point, honestly. And also, he said it's not a sin if you only don't act on your feelings. That's pretty big of him, though, I think. Perfect. Well, considering how legalistic he is. I guess. It, doesn't the Bible say if you lust after a man's wife, like, it's just as bad as, like, having sex with him? I know, right? So if you are same-sex attracted, as Bednar says, and you thought about it because that's how you know that you're same-sex attracted, one day you're having a sleepover with your girlfriend and you're having feelings that you never had before. And (laughs) somebody's telling you that that's not allowed because you're a girl or whatever. When a person realizes that that's them, that's not necessarily something that they can control. So now that you're saying that they are sinful for acting on it, but they can think it, they can mourn it, they can wish for it, they can miss it marry the wrong person and have children it's a concession but it still hurts doesn't it it's horrible it's just not right that part of a human's life is a very big part of their life their sexuality for a lot of people well, unless you're asexual so not everybody but if you're a person that feels like that's a need for you that's a big part of your life you know i don't know i'd like it to be a bigger part of my life Gigi. but you know oh <laughs> i've given up it's so funny we went to this retirement party yesterday and i was the designated driver and brad had like four beers and got tipsy <laughs> he doesn't usually ever get tipsy he's very quiet usually but he got very talkative and he was chatting with all the girls about how he was like a really good feminist such a good feminist and he was commiserating with them over dating and so when we got into the car he said to me because you know we met in high school and he dated girls that i knew in high school he's like you know i never loved you like i loved them what does that mean and i said what do you mean (laughs) he's like well i loved jamie and i loved kim like a puppy young dumb love Mm. but he's like but with you it was that for a little while and then it turned into like and i said what do you mean it turned into like you're so stupid now you're gonna stay anyways (laughs) We kind of just figured, you know, find somebody that you can stand to stick around with. (laughs) This is all that it takes. I just think that finding the right combinations of things is quite unlikely for people. I think most people don't find it. So... I'm just not going to try. I'm over it. I'm done. I mean, I don't blame you. Like, if Brad ever died, I wouldn't be dating. I would be like, no. And the same with my sisters and other people that I know. It's too much trouble. She's like, you can have a very, very fulfilling life outside of that. Dating apps are just fucked. Trying to have a conversation with anyone is just fucked. Especially if you're a woman attracted to women. Women are really hard to date. (laughs) (laughs) I would not know anything about that. Because there's this evolutionary psychology thing that comes in with women-on-women relationships. They can be very deep, but most of the time they're very fragile. They don't last a long time. You're just fucked. The Mormons have solved this problem. They have. It's all done for you. And even Bednar talks about it in one of these lectures. They have schools, and they open up these different places for young, single men and women at the educational departments. Uh huh. (laughs) See, and here's the thing. This is the one of the great things about the religion. It does create that community. Okay, how do you get to know somebody unless you see them on a regular basis? This is the problem. 
with dating nowadays and dating apps. Unless you see them on a regular basis doing something that you all are forced to do together or you want to do together, you will not find someone that you want to date. The chances of me finding something that I can tolerate just at random on a dating app based on their looks and what they say about themselves on a profile, I don't know what the chances are on that. But if you put me in a work site where I'm around, say, 50 different people, and of those 50 different people, there's like five to 10 men that are single, maybe. After working with them for a year, then you would know if they're like an asshole or worth even taking out. (laughs) And maybe you'll go to coffee. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, So if you don't have that at work, then do you have that at your church? If you don't have that at your church and you don't have it at your work, well, then go join live action role play and become a LARPer. (laughs) Go and LARP it until it becomes reality. Seriously. Like, I'm not kidding. I always tell girls that I know, I'm like, if you're trying to find a guy to date that's going to be worth dating, where are the geeks hanging out? You don't want a geek, though. Seriously. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And then make him not a geek. That's what I did. That's not possible, Gigi. They all have autism. No offense. (laughs) No, no, no. I married a guy right out of high school who didn't know how to do anything and he was (laughs) delivering pizza and now he's something completely different. It just takes 25 years. Well. <laughs> There's a lot of introverts out there that people call geeks. They might be the perfect person, but unless you're stuck where you get to see them on a regular basis, you never get to know those introverts that are really amazing people. You know, so it's hard nowadays because we don't have the churches. A lot of people are not religious or you have to go believe something really stupid to become part of that culture. To find these groups of people that you can hang out with enough to know where your next partner might be. And the church makes that really easy. I think this is actually one of the big subconscious draw cards of the Mormon church, the social aspect of it. Yep. Yep. And when you get them when they're young and then they start having babies, if they don't both bail on the church, you might have the next generation of tithe payers. The only problem with that is when somebody leaves the church and their partner does it, the relationship completely detonates. Yeah. Luckily, it wasn't a long period of time, but there were a couple weeks where my wife, she was thinking that her and the kids would have to leave me. I can imagine. You know, if you're a woman who goes to her bishop to complain about these kinds of things, obviously, because these are not trained lay people. Yeah, it's leadership roulette. Yeah, your local plumber is giving you relationship advice. So Bedner's wrong. He doesn't understand how it really works in practice. No. All right. Well, let's talk about this press conference. We've already mentioned some of the stuff. He Mm -hmm. uses certain keywords to come across as being more supportive of the LGBTQ community. I hate calling it a community because it really isn't because when you're in it. No. (laughs) No, it's it's just a class of people that it makes sense to group together for political reasons. And I get that, but there's no community. The Mormons as individuals and as a group greatly fear being thought of as a bigoted people. Yeah, and they are. (laughs) All of these teachings have been very, very bigoted, but they're trying to erase that now. Bednar's definitely going there. Only publicly. Inside the Mormon world, they're still fine with saying stuff like, there are no homosexual members of the Church of Jesus Christ. But outside, he's willing to say, our LGBTQ 
few brethren, but we don't have any of those brethren inside the church. Yeah. He's trying to have his cake and eat it too. One of the things that I thought was funny is in the first clip, he says, well, in 2015, we passed this anti-discrimination housing bill here in Utah. What he didn't mention in 2015 is that they also released a policy in the church saying that if your parents are in a same-sex relationship, you can't get baptized or have the priest or have any of the blessings. And if you want to, when you're an adult, you have to disavow your parents and everything they do. And also, we'll probably kick them out. Yeah, it's crazy. Unbelievable. Okay, when I heard about that, I couldn't believe that they would use the children against the family. That's really splitting people up, isn't it? Yeah, and that's the thing. The Mormon church is all, oh, we're all about families. Families are forever. Only the right kind of family. The other kind of family should go fuck themselves. It's really got nothing to do with the actual member's belief, too. Because if the member is the teenager who's just turning 18 that now has to disavow their parents, their beliefs have got nothing to do with their parents, right? It's all about what you personally believe. So why do they then also have to blow up their family? In fact, if they kept a good relationship with their family, wouldn't they be more likely to join them? Mm-hmm. Evangelism through friendship and all of that horse shit that you get taught. But A, there's no homosexual members in the church. And B, they don't want any homosexual members in the church. Unless they are completely repressing everything about that particular aspect of their individuality. They don't want a happy gay married couple in the church showing everybody that it's possible, that they're normal, that this is okay. Exactly. They don't want that. They want that out of the church because it has to do with, you know, being human. If you don't personally know somebody, it's a hell of a lot easier to other that group of people. But as soon as you get to know those people and realize that just like every other fucking jumped up monkey on this planet, they're just human. They're just regular like everybody else. Yeah. So The church doesn't want those people inside. They want them outside. Oh, dear. I want to talk more about this bill because really he mentions it and it's a complete misnomer. It really has nothing Mm -hmm. to do with LGBTQ Mm -mm. people. I mean, it does. Marginally, it mentions it. But that's not the reason they were supporting it. No. It just happened to be in the bill that those concessions were for that community as well. Protecting religions. Right. Basically, religions being able to have their unspecified own standards that regular companies and regular individuals didn't have to. It was just saying, yeah, churches can still discriminate. And he also uses the word ally later on (laughs) in a really weird way. They are not allies. Because when you hear the way he phrases it, I'm not quite sure who he's saying is an ally of what? Well, I'm waiting for pot to become legal there because there's nothing in the Book of Mormon that releases anything against it. Oh, that's going to be amazing. Okay, let me just tell you (laughs) of the amount of medication that is flowing through the sewers of Utah. Have they done tests, have they? Oh, yeah. This is so gross, but one of the best ways to test a population's health is through the sewers. What did they find? And I don't know if you know this, but my husband, he's not just a pathologist. He also is a director at this company called Progenobiome, where they do DNA sequencing of the microbiota of your gut. Oh my God. He's a pathologist that specializes in the gastrointestinal tract. So they can give you a a DNA sequencing of everything that's in your gut, the flora and fauna. DNA sequence me, Brad. Mm -hmm. One year for Christmas, I had to give him a sample of my poop. Oh, (laughs) 
<laughs> Merry Christmas, Brad. He's a shitty present. Literally. They wanted a sample to run it through their machine for the DNA and everything. People do it all the time. Like, oh. I, what am I going to say? It's weird. Uh-huh. But it's interesting. So you can also test through the sewers, like the amount of medications, like, okay, how much Prozac is going through a community. Uh-huh. Okay, they take a dipper stick. They go right into the sewers. Like, they get measurements. The amount of antidepressants in freaking Utah, it's because of all of the women who need it to survive living in the society. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Xanax, Prozac, like every medication that you can imagine. Adderall. But yeah, you need that to counteract the benzodiazepines everybody's on. Like basically. So Adderall's <laughs> in the water in Utah as well. Mm-hmm. And oh my. Wow. You may not be able to drink alcohol if you're a Mormon, but. But you can show the Pharmaceuticals. Pills. Oh God, there's no problem oh, there. Yeah. Now, wow. what's going to happen when pot becomes legal? <laughs> Four years ago here in Utah, medical marijuana was placed onto the ballot. It got passed. Everyone was like, yes, medical marijuana, yes. And the legislature came in and said, eh, no. And they completely castrated it. <laughs> Here in Utah, medical marijuana is so tightly regulated. You know, if they did make it legal, that would be the fate of all of those books of Mormon lying around. They would just <laughs> roll up that shit and it would uh, be gone. No, no, no. <laughs> nope. You're 100% wrong and I'll tell you where. It would be in brownies. <laughs> all the women would be baking brownies. I just baked you some brownies. Mm-hmm. Mormons are not a smoking cult. Culture because cigarettes are not allowed. But they like brownies. They'll cook you some cookies. But boy, they'll make you some pop brownies that'll knock your oh. socks off, probably. Mm-hmm. Maybe a jello mold. It's like the worst kind. Like green jello with carrots in it <laughs> and weed floating in there. <laughs> Gross. Can you imagine the Relief Society meetings after pot comes in? Mm-hmm. It'll be such a turnout. If pot became legal, so many people would be dropping out of the church because they don't need to hear about God anymore because they're <laughs> seeing it. Fuck you, Ben. I am scripture. <laughs> That's right. Like, I don't need you anymore, Bednar. I'm seeing my own God. Bednar had the hide to say in this press conference that Mormons who are educated stay Mormons. I don't know if you heard that bit. And then yeah. he reeled out some stat. But what he said is 80% of Mormons who have a college education say that religion is extremely important to them. Yeah, of the Mormons. That does not mean... Exactly. Oh, <laughs> I can't prove anything from that. Not 80% of people who were Mormon that have a college education. Only 80% of the people that are still believing Mormons. So exactly, it's not a meaningful status. This is why it's so important for them to have their own college system. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yep. No, it's true. Look at Sister Bedner's eyes. Oh, that no. is what it looks like to keep sweet. I'm going to make a gif of her face that's time-lapsed because it just freaks the fuck out of me. What is going on there? Keep sweet. That's what it looks is like. Is she drugged up? Um, What's happening? Does she exist? Is she a robot too? Has she turned into a robot because of her husband? Is she in an abusive relationship? The circuits are multiplying. <laughs> I'm not one to judge other people's marriages or whatever, but she has the look of so many other Mormon women oh, in know. her eyes. That silent support, keeping sweet, making sure your body language is right. She's not the type to question anything that comes out of that man's mouth. 
Can we have a little chat about the replacement rate that's negative for Mormonism in America? So there's more leaving than are coming in. And they're saying there's still some growth. And then he says, oh, well, I don't really know what the stats are. But if you look at it on the aggregate, it's growing. And then he says, I'm going to try and speak as an apostle, not as some statistician. Which means he's just pulling it out of his ass then. But he was never a statistician. He might have studied some statistics in his course, but his course wasn't a statistics course. He's not a mathematician. He has a Master of Arts degree in organizational communication. That's it, yeah. That just means that if you were reading the book 1984 by George Orwell, this is the guy that's in charge of the Ministry of Information. <laughs> Double speak for the place where they make up lies. That's like, right. You know, the Ministry of Truth. Yeah, he's like, I do trust the numbers, but I don't know what they are. But I do know what they are. Mm-hmm. But- right, right. His quote there reminded me, was it Donald Rumsfeld during the second invasion of Iraq, where he was saying, well, there are known knowns and there are unknown <laughs> knowns. That's what it reminded me of. I'm like, what the fuck are you saying, dude? I trust the numbers. I don't know what the numbers are. And we don't really know. There are numbers. Motherfucker, what are you saying? Right. This is right. the thing. I don't know what he's saying most of the time because he redefines everything he's saying mm-hmm. so much. Right down to later, he says, do you have the faith to not be healed? <laughs> Oh, God, that's a beautiful one, yeah. He redefines miracles as things that aren't miraculous. Right. When miracles aren't happening, you have to redefine stuff. Someone relates a story of some kid asking him if he's seen Jesus. Is this something that apostles are supposed to have done? They're supposed to have seen Jesus? Yes, and that has been the lore from the get-go. What? I haven't heard this lore. Oh, well, okay. I heard there was a room in all the temples where God is supposed to come and visit when he comes down. It's the Holy of Holies. It's a room where the prophet is supposed to go in and talk to Jesus. And that's only in the Salt Lake Temple. I remember one time with my dad and my wife, and we were in the celestial room, and he's like, you see this door here? We're like, yeah. He's like, this is the Holy of Holies. And I'm like, okay, A, it might be, or it might be a closet, Dad. You're crazy. I don't know what to believe. <laughs> but Did he go into it? No. There's like a bidet in there. No, I don't know. <laughs> it's just a vibrating dildo on the floor. You open the door and it just starts buzzing. It's like, oh, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> <laughs> but one of the honorifics that are applied to apostles is it's said that they have a special witness of Jesus Christ. And for years and years and years and years, both because the apostles said it and because Mormons just take things at face value. They didn't anticipate the internet being invented. Give them a no, break. No, exactly. But... <laughs> It was assumed. That meant that they saw God. They have talked to Jesus, that they have met Jesus. So then he redefines that, which would be a miracle, right? Right. But of course, miracles don't happen. He redefines that. He says, oh, every time I see Brother Nelson, I see Jesus. Oh, of course. He rephrases it. Yeah, that's like when I asked my dad if God existed. I'm like, Dad, is there a God? And he's like, do you see that tree out there? Uh-huh. That's proof there's God. Nobody can make don't a stop. tree. There's a proof of a fucking tree. But God. So he just answers a different question. He flips it around. He goes 90 degrees another way. He'd make a great comedian. They'll hear something and then go on a different spin on it. But you have to have a soul in order to be a comedian. (laughs) He's like an AI that's been trained on algorithms or something. (laughs) It's like, I feel worried about my niece who she's like, I have to get my 
temple recommend, otherwise my mom will kill me, which means I have to lie, you know? And it's like, so yeah, it depends on the family. Like she's kind of got to fake it uh, and say whatever she's got to say. Because, you know, when you become a certain age, you're supposed to go to the temple and do baptisms for the dead. And if the bishop <laughs> isn't giving your child a temple recommend, what did your child tell the bishop? Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this and you're about to go for a temple recommend, don't answer the bishop's questions honestly when they ask you about whatever you're doing. Nope. Just lie. Don't give them the satisfaction of <laughs> telling them any of your inner thoughts. Just be vanilla on the outside. Yeah. Have your own thoughts. they for you. When I was going in for interviews for my temple recommends during my married life, I was lying the entire time. There must be so many people doing that. The bishop doesn't deserve your thoughts. They're your thoughts. Towards the end, I started not feeling guilty, but I started feeling like, why am I saying I believe in this stuff when I don't? Why am I lying to this guy? Why do I care? One of the questions is, are you affiliated with any group that is contrary to the teachings of the church? And I started saying, well, yeah, I'm a Democrat. And the bishop would go, oh, or the bishop would go, hmm, well, okay, I yeah, technically that's okay. Technically that's okay. But seriously saying technically that's okay. <laughs> and do you pay a full tithing? We honestly, during our marriage, we never really paid a full tithing. Goodbye. And that was most because of my wife, because she thought that them taking our money was stupid. We could barely afford ourselves, and we had three babies in the house. Good on right? you got to feed your children. I'm glad she was able to rationalize that out. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. She obviously wasn't that into it anyway. She was, but again, you know. You compartmentalize, though, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we talk about Bednar and water? He loves water. Water? Yeah. Like, there was that bit where he tried to make an analogy with a bottle of water in his hand. He makes the worst analogies. All I could remember was that he was about to hit his wife with a bottle of water. That's right. No, he was saying that this bottle is an object which must be acted upon. Yes. It doesn't have agency. Yeah, it doesn't have agency, but we are agents ourselves, so we are able to take actions and that's why we are able to not fuck that cute guy that you're attracted to. You know, it all boiled down to just because you have same-sex attraction doesn't mean you have to act on it because you're an agency. And here's my bottle of water. It was stupid. (laughs) It's a bad analogy. He uses whatever is in front of him. Remember in the video where he made that kid cry? Because the kid was like, how can I get back into reading the scriptures or whatever? And then he just uses the carpet that's in front of him as some sort of instructional aid that was just ridiculous. It didn't instruct anything. Well, not only that, he kept berating the kid and made the poor kid cry for fuck's sake. I know. It just went on and on and on. And then at the end, he had this giant like bear hug around him. It looked really bad. I know it wasn't bad. It wasn't suspicious, but it just, oh God, he's just such a robot. And then he had that um, long devotional where he's talking about water and he was using it as an analogy. And Oh, I don't think I heard that one. The first whole minute is him just giving us stats about what water is in the world. Water is this. Oh, I didn't listen to that. I'm just like, oh, you're just boring us to tears. He likes water. This guy that was dying of cancer asked him for a prayer, you know. And all of a sudden it just came to him, I'm going to say, do you have the faith not to be healed? Because that just sounds really insightful. No, it doesn't. (laughs) It's ridiculous, but I think he really believed this is original and this is from God and, oh, that's amazing. What an insight. How is that not any different than just saying, I can't do anything for you. Are you ready to die? That's pretty much it. He already has the faith to die. Well, what he was saying was basically that, do you have enough faith to believe? in God's plan no matter what happens. Yeah. Are you willing to follow God and his ineffable plan that nobody knows what the fuck's going on and you can't tell any difference between that and just chance? 
Will your faith survive the fact that you're probably going to die? No, because you're dead. But maybe your family and your kids will. It's like, you're probably going to die and I need to come up with a good reason for why my awesome power didn't heal him. Ah, here's a good reason. Popped right into his head. Shablam! (laughs) I think hospice nurses can do more good for your soul than a prophet that's just going to ask to make sure that you're ready to go. And they can give you drugs to ease your suffering. Right. And they can also give you just a human connection. You know, here's this guy asking for healing and Bednar's like, no. (laughs) Yeah, this is not the time to have a big faith discussion with this guy. Just give him a hug, pray for him, give him the warm fuzzies and move on. Jesus Christ. (laughs) There was another thing he called a miracle. He was telling this story about how the temple had to shut down because of COVID at a certain time. And there were all of these people that needed to use the temple. Then they would be turned away. There's all these dead people coming to me in my dreams constantly that want to be baptized. (laughs) Like Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost lining up to be baptized. Like, come on. I don't know what they were doing in the temple that was so important, but lots of people wanted to get in there. And so like, how are we going to get them all done? And he's like, oh, we've prayed about and a miracle happened. We decided we're going to keep it open for like three days straight and get them all through. Not only that, almost all the time when we called them, they were able to take the first slot when we rescheduled it. This is a miracle. I'm like, dude, you're calling scheduling a miracle. I mean, I know it's probably beyond him. He doesn't understand how scheduling works. He got his degree in operational communications though. So it shouldn't be miraculous to him, but for some reason it is. That's just in keeping with the whole thing that everything good that happens is because of God and everything bad that happens is because either it's Satan or you're not listening to God or well that's just God's plan so it's good in the long run oh God please make this light turn green I'm running <laughs> late for work oh God please let me find a parking spot right in front of the place I'm running late oh wait there wasn't a parking spot so God must have needed me to get my heart rate up a little bit this was God's doing the reason my brother-in-law died was because God was busy finding somebody else's keys when he was in the emergency room being resuscitated <sighs> And if only, like, he hadn't been finding those keys. These people just sapping God's time for useless shit. Gotta find that shoe. Find my car keys. He actually quotes, I think, some former prophet who says, miracles are still happening today. When you look at how Mormonism started, that was one of their key things, right? That the signs of the Spirit haven't gone away. Yeah. But the thing is, it's not happening. He redefines, like every other elder does, words to mean something completely different. And they're going to have to keep redefining finding words otherwise they'll just have nothing to say it's orwellian Yes, it's Newspeak. It is Newspeak. It is two plus two is five. The apologists are redefining the word translating because (laughs) there's evidence coming up that Joseph Smith didn't translate a goddamn thing. Dictation is somehow translation. Hundreds of years after Joseph Smith is dead, he is still collecting your money. That's a goddamn miracle. (laughs) It's a miracle in a lot of things. That this church, as crazy and ridiculous as the dogma is, that it survived. I am impressed. It's got a lot of money. And it just tells you what time and insanity can do. And people's willingness to be fooled. Finding out the truth about Mormonism and finding out how much of it is all just lies and bullshit. That is 
pretty much the thing that solidifies the end of religious belief for most ex-Mormons. They realize that if this shit could just happen in less than 200 years where this guy was a complete shyster and it was obvious and now we have all these people that believe in it, how likely is that what happened with Jesus or any religious figure? I'm not claiming that Jesus was a con man like Joseph Smith. There's no way to know. Just before we go, there's one last thing I found was a pet project of the bed narrator, as I like to call him, because he looks like a cyborg and acts like a cyborg and he will probably kill us all if he ever becomes the prophet. Well, he might kill the church, which good riddance to bad rubbish. Oh, we can only hope. I was actually thinking that. Wouldn't it be cool if he did come the prophet and he was so strict, Mormons were like, oh, we can't have this and they just leave. He's like, we're going back to the underwear from the 18th century. The kind that goes down to your ankles and down to your wrists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, and you can't take it off even to fuck. You've just got to open the flap and stick it in. We're going to implement the sheet with a hole in it. Mm-hmm. How do people fuck with clothes on? Like, I mean, I know like you can leave a shirt on or whatever, but the way they talk about it, it's like, I've never seen my wife naked. How is this possible? A, keeping on the garments. B, turning off the lights. C, keeping the sheets over you. Even he wouldn't have been enjoying that. He'd come and it wouldn't feel good. I worry that Mormons probably have the most miserable sex out of most religions. Well, a lot of Mormons have to get around that mental fuckery. Uh, uh fuckery. So do Christians. Like all the purity cults, speaking as a woman growing up in that faith, uh, that does a number on you. Like it really does. (laughs) Speaking as a woman who grew up in a purity cult. So no wonder Sister Bednar has that look in her face. Oh, I know. She scares me. So this last pet project that I wanted to talk about with Bednar is his emotional resilience or self-reliance sort of psychology. Oh, yeah, that bullshit. Oh, God, I watched 30 seconds of that and wanted to punch both those people in the goddamn face. I don't know if I heard that clip. Mm -hmm. What was that about? What did he say? It's basically, are you having mental health issues? (laughs) Well, pray motherfucker yeah you know basically or get together with your pals from the church and talk about it and convince each other that the church is right and get happy and it's all cool what is the suicide rate in the church right now for queer kids it's high and for the amount of medication that the population of the lds church is taking for mental health issues Mm -hmm. i mean i think it's good that people are getting treatment this isn't treatment but i don't think that the answer is deepening and digging yourself deeper into the hole of that oppressive patriarchal mindfuckery of a religion that's not good for men or women i wouldn't trust them with the mental health of my child i wouldn't trust them with the mental health of anybody that i love no well here's the good news the whole course that the church has put out it's called an emotional resilience self-reliance course i actually want you to have self-reliance which seems completely antithetical to the book of mormon it's self-reliance as long as the church is yeah. in there. They want you relying on the church. That's right. They call it self-reliance, but you know that they've redefined it. It's double speak for 100% reliance on the church for all your spiritual needs and guidance. The whole course is online. Once we're done with saints, I reckon we should just go one by one through it. Oh, God. 
this Mormon self-help. And get really, really bored. I think patience is torturing us. It sounds like Maybe it. I'm torturing myself. What am I doing with my life, Gigi? Jesus Christ. You know, every day is so fucking lonely. I sit here playing with my computer. You've got it all figured out. Like, you're doing this whole <laughs> podcast. You're the one making this happen. I still don't understand. I'm like, I don't know why she wants to read this whole book. I want to see how it ends. <laughs> badly. It begins badly. The middle of it's badly. And the end is badly. With a dangling participle and a bad prepositional phrase. Most likely. With bad grammar. That's how it ends, patience. It ends in bad grammar. Uh. <laughs> and an alarming lack of punctuation. Indeed. There is no period at the end. No. It's a semicolon. There is no cake. <laughs> I did think of you while I was at Universal Studios, and all I thought of was, This is real coffee! This is real coffee! <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And I'll be going again this next Saturday. Uh, same rides. Universal Studios. Just different family members. You should do a TikTok of you yelling out, this is real coffee. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. <laughs> if she has her phone out during the ride, it will go flying. And break somebody's nose. Yeah. Yeah, safety first. <laughs> Wednesday afternoon, my wife and I are going to get matching tattoos. <laughs> We're going to get dragons. She's a dragon mom. Yeah, the mama dragons. For her first tattoo, she wanted to get like a simple line type tattoo with some watercolor behind it. So she's going to get the cool colors from the rainbow, like, you know, green, purple. And I'm going to get the warm colors from the tattoo, like, you know, red, orange, yellow. Oh, I want pictures. Don't worry, I'll post yeah, pictures. Yeah, when they're healed. Yeah. Not when they're bloody and gross. Unless it looks awesome. <laughs> My tattoos always look really good right after we get them. And then like three weeks later when they've actually fully healed. So I will take pictures of those. I'll catch you guys later. Good night. Bye. 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 I guess this is my new normal.